Hey friends, Merry Christmas. I hope that you had an incredible Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, and even today. I hope that today is going great for you. I know that here on the campus that we had an incredible Christmas Eve. Thousands and thousands and thousands of you were here uh, celebrating all that Christmas is, and it was just a, it was a great time. It was a great way to just celebrate everything that is Christmas. Just a second ago, you saw a video about an upcoming teaching series starting in January. I cannot wait for that. Uh, we're going to be looking at all the things connected to the home. The Smart Series, the Smart Home Series is a series that uh, we're going to look at what it's like to live life single, married, uh, extended family, blended family, all the things that are represented in the home dynamics. Ultimately, our desire is that we can step into the best home for our future. And so I hope you'll make plans to be here. It's going to be uh, an incredible time listening to our teaching team walk through this series for several weeks. So make plans for that. Uh, but today, I want us to kind of wrap up the Christmas season. And I was thinking about this. You know, there's two kinds of people in the world. There are those who begin Christmas shopping months and months in advance. That would be my wife. And then there are those that procrastinate and go buy their Christmas gifts like the day before Christmas Eve. They love the rush of the holidays and uh, being at all the stores with all the other people and waiting in lines and just that scramble, that mad dash is something that's exciting for, for some. Uh, that's more of kind of how I operate. It's funny, my, I was giving my wife a hard time about this the other day and I was thinking about it. She starts planning and starts buying Christmas gifts for people in our family and friends all the way in July. It's insane. She makes a spreadsheet. She's super organized, making all these plans. But there's a couple of problems with that. And this is what I was kind of messing with her on. I said, you know, one of the problems with that is the boys, we have two boys, and they change their minds from July to December on what they actually want for Christmas, which means that we're taking things back to the UPS store to send back to Amazon to replace with what the boys have decided they want in November and December. And so even just in the last couple of weeks, we've done some of that. But the other thing that's funny, and this has really created some fun moments for us on Christmas morning, but during those months as she's buying all these Christmas gifts, we are stashing them around our house, trying to hide them from our boys or hide them from each other. And almost every single year, we get to Christmas morning and we open up the gifts and we get to the end of it and Brandy says something like, wait, Cam, did you get such and such or Braden, did you, did you open up such and such gift? And then there's this light bulb moment where she realizes she forgot to wrap one of their presents. Just last year, we were opening up their presents. The boys wanted these new comforters for their bedrooms. They wanted to decorate their bedrooms with what they wanted. They're kind of at that age where they don't like what mom and dad choose anymore. And so Braden wanted to deck his room out with all Texas A&M stuff. I'm sorry for all of you who don't like Texas A&M. I'm brainwashing my children young. But my youngest, Cam, wanted to decorate his in Dallas Cowboys. And you're like, man, Wes, you just offended me twice. Uh, I'm sorry. But they wanted comforters for their beds. And so Braden opened his comforter, got a Texas A&M comforter. He was so excited. And then Cam opens all his gifts and there's no comforter. And Brandy panicked. She, goes, she, she said, I know I got a comforter. I don't know where it is. Where, I, I guess I didn't wrap it. So she runs to the back of the house and looks in a laundry basket that we never use. And at the bottom of that laundry basket was the Dallas Cowboys comforter that she had forgot to wrap and put under the tree. And the reason I tell you that story, that was, those are some fun moments, memorable moments for us. But the reason I say that to us today is because I think that maybe it would be important for us before we move past Christmas to think about the ultimate gift of Christmas. We've been walking through the several gifts through the holiday season on the weekends here at Community of Faith. And I think the most important gift is the gift of Jesus. But what I want us to think about today is what if we've missed the gift of Jesus? 
What if we've moved through this holiday season and completely not paid attention to the ultimate gift of Christmas? And I want to look back at just a few verses in the Christmas story. And I think we see three people that have a tendency to miss Jesus, especially at Christmas time. We see the overwhelmed, we see the control freak, and then we see the religious. And we're going to unpack all three of those briefly this morning. But if we jump into Luke chapter 2, going all the way down to verse 6, we pick up and it says this. It says, while they were there, the days were completed for her to give birth. This is talking about Mary and Joseph. They have traveled to Bethlehem. There's a census being taken. Caesar Augustus has required that all the people return to the place where they were born so that they can conduct a census. So this is a, a time of travel. This is a, a little bit of a chaotic time. Crowds are gathering in cities. People are coming from outside of the towns and the cities to participate in the census. And so Mary and Joseph have gone to Bethlehem. And it says in verse 7, it says, She gave birth to her firstborn son. And she wrapped him in clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. I think we see here the first person that misses out on Jesus at Christmas, in the actual Christmas story. Joseph has traveled. He's got his pregnant wife with him. I mean, she is about to have the baby, nine months pregnant. Can you just imagine? Think about this for a second. Man and a woman traveling by donkey nine months pregnant. I'm sure that was a real pleasant trip. Um, real excited about making that trip, I'm sure, for Mary. But I also think she's probably hopeful that maybe she would get back to Nazareth before she had Jesus. But they travel to Bethlehem and they get to this place and they're looking for a place for Jesus to be born because it's, it's time. She's about to go into labor. And they go to the inn and the innkeeper says to them, sorry, I don't have any room for you here. And I was thinking about that and preparing for this, and I was just thinking, man, if he only knew who it was he was saying that he had no room for, he didn't realize who Jesus was. And I think maybe the reason for that, and what I want us to consider, is this first person, the innkeeper, I think represents the overwhelmed. And I don't mean just overwhelmed with stress and anxiety and um, down in the dumps. I think just overwhelmed with the situation. People are coming to Bethlehem from all over for this census. So I imagine there was a crowd. There were a lot of people needing a place to stay. And for this innkeeper, business is good. I mean, he is bringing in profits. Maybe this was the peak season. He's charging the holiday rate. Things are good for him. And he gets to this moment where Mary and Joseph show up and he tells them, I, I don't have any room for you. And then he makes accommodations out with the animals. He's capitalizing on this opportunity. You know, I think it's interesting because I think we can all relate. Maybe he was overwhelmed. Maybe he was a little bit in a desperate situation. Maybe he was excited about the profits that he was going to make and the excitement of more business and things going well in, in those days for him. And, but maybe he was also just overwhelmed because he didn't have the capacity to do everything he needed to do. Maybe in a different season in his life, he would have been a little more accommodating to Jesus, to the Messiah to the one that God had sent specifically in this time and in this place. But in this, he was swamped, he was overwhelmed, he was too busy, and he missed Jesus. And I wonder if some of us in this crazy season, it's interesting how chaotic and hectic we get at the Christmas time. And here we are on the day after, and it's almost kind of like this time to just breathe and catch our breath after the hustle of the Christmas season. I think it's an opportunity for us to reflect, not just during Christmas, but every day of the year. Are we missing Jesus? 
You know, last year in 2020, at the kind of the peak of the pandemic shutdown, everybody was forced to go home. And one of the, there were a lot of bizarre things that came out of those days. I mean, you were uh, participating in drawing art on your sidewalks and posting that on social media. You were learning how to do homeschool with your children, which was crazy for a lot of people. We all became teachers and trying to educate our children and raise them up well uh, to be intelligent human beings. Uh, we became that we, we had houses and homes that looked immaculate. It was crazy to think about all the things people were doing to their houses, knocking out that list of to-do things that had been building up for years, putting mulch in the flower beds and making sure the yards looked great because we had all this time. And one of the things I noticed that a lot of people were doing is I would drive through my neighborhood and leave to go run errands or something is I would see people cleaning out their garages. And I don't know how you do it, but I know when I clean out my garage and how many people that I've observed clean out their garage, what you do is you take everything out. You, I mean, everything. You, you set it out in the driveway. And it's kind of this refreshing, good feeling to get everything out because you look at your garage and you're like, wow, I didn't realize I had that much space. And then you begin to put back what you need, put back what's important, put back the things that you know you need to keep. And then you begin to make a trash pile out on the curb. And I tell you that today because I wonder if that's what this is helping us see that we're so busy and the garage is jam-packed with all the things going on in our lives, the busy schedules, all the routines and responsibilities, family obligations. I wonder what it would look like to just kind of take all those things and set them aside and then begin to put things back in place, but specifically making sure that Jesus is at the center of that. I think we see in the story someone who was busy, who was overwhelmed, but he ultimately missed Jesus didn't have room for Jesus. And I think that can shape something and stir something up in us as we reflect on that today. The second person we see is in Matthew chapter 2. If you pick up in verse 1 of Matthew chapter 2, it says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? Don't miss that. We're going to come back to that. This was, for we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. You know, Jesus is born and I know that some of you know this, but sometimes we get confused when we look at our nativity scenes at Christmas time because it's always got the wise men or the magi in the, the scene. But there's no way the magi were able to travel from where they were to where Jesus was born in just a few hours. Scholars believe this was probably 18 to 24 months after Jesus was born that the Magi show up. And so they show up and they go to the king, the authority of all the land, and it says, hey, we're looking for this one. We're looking for the king of the Jews. Well, this is a problem. This is specifically a problem for Herod. They're like, hey, we're looking for this little boy, and he's a king. But Herod's thinking, no, 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 I'm the king. But you're looking for the king of the Jews? I'm the king of the Jews. And this presents a problem for Herod. This is not a problem of Herod not having room in the inn. This is a problem of Herod have not having room for two kings in his life because he is the king. He is the authority. And all of a sudden, he's recognizing and realizing that there's a threat to his throne. And it says that he's troubled by this. That word troubled in this passage means that he's agitated. Um, he becomes hostile. He, he wants to do something to prevent this other one that's being described as some type of authority from having any authority in his life or in the life of anyone else. It's a threat to his throne. 
Jesus was close. He was so close to Herod, but Herod missed him because Herod ultimately wanted to be in control. I think we see here what maybe represents some of us. We see the control freak. The control freak misses out on Jesus in this portion of the Christmas story. Like Herod, you and I don't have room for two kings in our lives. But there's a tension that every single one of us feel. Jesus is near. He came near. That's what Christmas is. Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. He comes close. But oftentimes we wrestle with this tension that Jesus is close and Jesus wants to rule and reign and be the ultimate authority in our lives to be the Lord of our life. But we're not sure we want to give up that control. We're not sure that we want him to have that authority. It's like, Jesus, I want to celebrate you at Christmas, but don't disrupt my plans. Jesus, I recognize that you arrived in a manger and that you were uh, the result of a virgin conception. I, I recognize all those things, but don't disrupt my dreams. Don't desire to control some of the things that I choose to do in my life. Jesus, I'm not sure I want to give you full reign, full authority. This is the same tension that Herod is struggling with. And so it forces me just to ask this question of myself and maybe even of you is, are we missing Jesus during this Christmas season? Because ultimately we want to be the king of our own life. We want to call the shots. We want to dictate every decision that we make. We don't necessarily need him involved in everything. Sure, we are aware of Jesus. Sure, Jesus is our homeboy. God is dope. We have all of these things that we say and we reflect on and we remember, but to really let Jesus be at the center and allow Jesus to determine and dictate everything in our lives, that's where there's a little bit of a, a pushback. I'm not sure that I want to step in to that. Herod finds himself in an impossible crisis because God is obviously at work in this. And this is the Son of God who has arrived on the earth, and Herod is trying to do something about this. As the story goes on, this becomes a really tragic situation. Herod declares that the firstborn male of every family is to be killed. I mean, this is tragic. This is devastating. But Herod was so troubled that there might be some other authority in his life other than him that he goes to the extreme to eliminate any threat to his throne. And I don't think anybody here is necessarily going to that extreme today. But we do go to extremes in our lives when we are challenged when it comes to authority. We don't ultimately like authority. We're not wired to like authority. We, we want to push back against it. We, want, we don't want to be told how to, how to drive. We don't want to be told how to do certain things in our lives, how to make specific decisions. But the result of that is always what we see in the story, if you were to continue to read on, chaos, confusion, disruption, destruction. We see this in the story, and we do this sometimes. Listen, I do think this is probably true, and I was considering this even for myself. When it comes to Christmas and all that Christmas is, and we celebrate Christmas as the birthday for Jesus— now, I know it's not the exact day that he was born on December 25th, but it's a day that we've designated to celebrate the arrival, the birth of Jesus. But I want to challenge you to consider this, that if Jesus is not the ultimate authority in your life, if he's not the center of who you are and what you do, then I'm not sure that you can say that you celebrated Christmas this year. 
And that makes me uncomfortable even thinking about that because there's some things in my life that I still want to hang on to that I ultimately want to control. And as I was processing through this, you know, there's a lot of conversation and there's a lot of hostility when it comes to what do you say during the holidays? Do you say happy holidays or do you say Merry Christmas? And there's some people that you're super triggered by that. It bothers you when someone says happy holidays. And it bothers other people on the other extreme when someone says Merry Christmas. But for people who claim to be Christ followers at Christmas, I wonder if the more accurate way to say it would be happy holidays because we failed to recognize Jesus as the ultimate authority in our lives. We are sitting on the throne of our life and not allowing Jesus to sit on the throne of our lives. Sure, we exchanged gifts. We made some crazy food and crazy desserts. Sure, there was maybe an elf on a shelf in your house every day for the last 25 days. We celebrated Santa Claus, all the things that are Christmas. But the most important thing that we have to think about and consider today is Jesus at the middle of that. Is Jesus the ultimate celebration of Christmas? You see, I believe if you really want to celebrate Jesus this Christmas, then you tell Jesus, Jesus, you are my king. Jesus, you are the king of West. Jesus, you are the king of my family. You're the king of my children. I trust them with you because you are good and you did everything necessary so that I could say that and so that I could trust you and so that I can know that you are near. You are king of my family. You're the king of the things that I have. You are king of the abilities and the gifts that you have given me. You are the king of my bank account. You are the king of my dreams, of my goals, of my employment. You are king of everything. Jesus, you are ultimate. I believe that when we continue to reflect and remember that, not just at Christmas, but daily, then Christmas is an ultimate celebration of the gift of Jesus, God sending his son. So we've talked about two people. We've talked about the overwhelmed, those who are are busy, consumed with the hectic things going on in life, especially at Christmas. We've talked about the control freak desiring to control everything in life and leaving no room for Jesus to have the authority in our lives. And then we pick up, as you continue to read in Matthew chapter 4, in verse, chapter 2, verse 4, it says this, Gathering together all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. He being Herod. King Herod is asking the chief priests and the scribes of the people. He's like, where, where is this Jesus to be born? In verse 5, it continues on. It says, They said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea. For this is what has been written by the prophet. And then verse 6 is quoting Micah chapter 2 that was written 700 years prior. And it shows back up in Matthew chapter 2 verse 6. It says, And you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah. For out of you shall come forth a ruler who will shepherd my people in Israel. Remember, Herod is threatened. He is hostile in this moment. He is troubled. He is agitated. Not only that, but it says that all of Jerusalem is as well. So it's not just Herod. It's multitudes of people are bothered by this king of the Jews that has arrived. And so in this moment, he decides he needs to go to the religious leaders. It's interesting. uh, When people find out that I'm a pastor, they begin to ask a lot of fun, funny questions. One of the most common questions is, Um, Do you think Jesus is coming back soon? Or do you know when Jesus is coming back soon? 
and we can all make guesses based on what we see and interpret in Scripture. But the other question that I often get asked is, how do you know God's will for your life? And when somebody asks me that question, I know that one of two things is probably true for that person. One, they are navigating a really important life-changing situation where they've got to make some really important decisions and they don't want to get those decisions wrong. They want to do what's going to be best for them. And so they want to know God's will. And it's like, God, if you would just write this on the wall for me, that would be really great. But sometimes it's not that. It's they found themselves in a situation of dysfunction, of heartache, of disappointment, of regrets, maybe at rock bottom. And they're asking the question because they want to know God's will for their life because they feel like maybe they've missed it. They're troubled. They're agitated. And I think this is where Herod finds himself. He's bothered. And so he goes to the chief priest and the scribes. And he basically goes to them. He's like, hey, hey, listen, guys, pastors. I mean, these are the religious leaders of this day. He comes to them and he says, hey, I've heard about this Messiah. And I know that you're an expert in these kinds of things. So can you tell me where he was born? And it says that they tell him that he was born in Bethlehem. They had known this. For 700 years, this had been written. This is something that they knew and that they understand. They had a knowledge of the Messiah. They had a knowledge of Jesus. But yet, as you continue to read through the story, they knew the arrival of Jesus. They knew where the arrival of Jesus was going to happen, but they missed Jesus. We don't read anything about them going to see him, going to celebrate him. It was simply a knowledge. There was an understanding of him, and they missed Jesus at Christmas. I think we see the third person, the religious. The religious have a tendency to miss out on the person of Jesus. We see this in the story, and I think it's in our human nature to do this. We begin to feel really confident, and we begin to feel really secure in in who we are because of what we know, because of what we understand. We need more knowledge. We need more understanding. And the more I know and the more that I understand, then I begin to feel more confident about who I am but we have a tendency to miss out on the relationship dynamic of Jesus. I think the religious in this story miss out on Jesus. You see, I think the thing I want us to consider is that the knowledge we have about Jesus is never more important than personally knowing Jesus. We live in a culture in America where a lot of people have an awareness of Jesus. They've been in close proximity with people who know Jesus personally. And we claim to be Christ followers. We claim to be Jesus followers. But a lot of times there's not a personal element to that. We're not personally connected to him because we've never turned and said, Jesus, I trust you. Jesus, I celebrate you. Jesus, I want to worship you. Jesus, you are my everything. We've never stepped into that. And so Jesus is just a stranger off in the distance. You know, at Christmas, we're celebrating the birth of Jesus. We're celebrating Jesus' birthday. I've never celebrated someone's birthday that I didn't know personally or that had no impact on my life. And sure, we remember historical figures. We remember people who have passed on before us. We remember them on their birthdays. But to really celebrate at the level and the scale that we celebrate everything at Christmas with the decorations and the the parties and the gifts being exchanged and showing up to church services, especially on Christmas Eve, that's an epic celebration that we hit repeat on every single year. But how bizarre is it that we would celebrate Christmas 
and not personally know the one that we are celebrating. I think that's what we see. There's a tendency for us to get stuck in the religious obligations and tradition in church life, in our culture, but miss out on the personal nature of a relationship with Jesus. The more that we get to know him, the more we begin to understand him, then the more we can trust him. You see, when you consider the Bible, the Bible is incredibly valuable to understand the the teachings of the Bible. But do you know that the entire Bible is all pointing us to one person? That person is Jesus. And so to know God's word is to know the person of Jesus. It's not enough just to know it as information, to be educated in the things of the Bible. But it's most important, if it's not pointing us to a place of personal devotion, personal trust with this person named Jesus, then we're missing Jesus. And maybe we're missing Jesus even in this Christmas time. I was thinking about this for these chief priests and these scribes. Why didn't, why didn't they go to Jesus? They'd been hearing prophecy about the arrival of Jesus for, for centuries. Why in this moment did they decide it's really not that big of a deal. We don't, we, don't, we don't need to do this. We don't need to run to Jesus. We don't need to worship Jesus. We don't need to celebrate Jesus for who he is. As I was pondering on that question, I thought about it and I was, began to think, well, maybe it was because they didn't recognize that there was anything he could do to change anything in their lives. And I was bothered by that because I think that we have a tendency as Americans because we do have things, we do have um, security, we do have homes that keep us dry when the weather's not good outside. We, we have so much and we feel like so many of our needs are met, but the ultimate need in our life has not been met when we failed to trust Jesus. The innkeeper was overwhelmed. King Herod was a control freak. And the chief priest and the scribes were too caught up in their religion and the things that they knew about Jesus that all three of them missed Jesus in the Christmas story, which lands me at this question for you today, for us to consider and to reflect on in this space we have between Christmas and New Year's as we turn the page on 2021 and we jump into 2022. And the question is simply this, are you missing Jesus this Christmas? You know, as I was thinking about how to wrap this up, I was considering what would it look like in your house, your Christmas tree still up today, and maybe you have kids or um, family that have been there for a couple of days and y'all opened all the gifts, but you left one gift under the tree. You know, if I was to leave one gift under the tree today from Christmas for one of my boys, they wouldn't be okay with that. It would bother them. It would agitate them. Because when someone gives you a gift and there is a gift that has been prepared and given to you, you want to receive and take and open up that gift and experience all that that gift has to offer. That's, that's what we're called to do. And so as I consider the gift of Jesus this Christmas, I wonder if that one lone gift still sitting under the tree represents the relationship dynamic between you and Jesus because you've never truly taken the gift and experienced it and trusted it and allowed it to work in your life. So as we think about that, I want to just ask you, do you trust him? Do you trust Jesus? You know, confession is a word that we use a lot in church. 
And I think when we think about the word confession, we immediately go to this mindset of, I've got to tell someone all the things that I've done wrong. And scripture says that we are to confess to one another and that when we confess to one another that there is healing. But I think confession is not just saying all the things that we maybe regret or all the poor choices that we made. Confession is also declaring what we believe, what we believe about life, what we believe about ourselves, what we believe about living on this earth, what we believe about God, what we believe about Jesus. I think the most important question or most important confession we can make today is to say that I believe that Jesus is the Lord, the boss, the ultimate authority of my life. That we would trust him fully, not just at Christmas, but for the rest of the year. And so maybe today and in this next few days, you just need to process through that and just ask yourself this question. And I just want you to sit with this. As you think about missing Jesus at Christmas, Maybe instead of thinking of it that big, go more specific. Is there an area or are there areas of your life that you're missing Jesus in? That you're struggling to give up control or maybe it's the busy schedule or it's the desire to just continue to accomplish things and learn more things and continue to advance yourself to claim identity on your life, to have self-worth and feel more valuable, but you're missing out on Jesus. Is there areas of your life that you're missing Jesus this Christmas? And if there are things that are coming to mind, maybe it's how you lead your family, maybe it's how you lead yourself at work, maybe it's the interactions you have with people in your neighborhood, maybe it's in a specific area of finances or hobbies or how you spend time on the weekends, are, are any of those things coming to mind? And if they are, would you simply say, Jesus, I trust you with this? And I trust you in this area. And I believe that as you do that, he wants to continue to restore you. He wants to rescue you. He wants to change you. He wants to shape things in you that you never imagined could be true for you. He wants to heal you. He wants to strengthen you. He wants to give you comfort in this season. He wants us to experience his peace. But we don't experience any of those things until we truly say, Jesus, I trust you. And I receive the gift of you this Christmas. Will you pray with me? God, I thank you for today. I thank you for uh, the opportunity to really just have a little bit of a, a downtime on a Sunday and to sit and maybe sit in our homes and sit with family and just reflect on ultimately the gift of Jesus and what that means for us. God, I pray that you would give us a clear mind and that your spirit would show us areas that we're failing to trust you or we're not allowing your goodness and uh, the things that you want for us to be experienced because we're trying to trust ourselves or we're missing out because we're too busy or uh, we're running after things that are insignificant. God, give us clarity and understanding that. And when we see those things, would you give us the strength and the courage and the boldness to trust you in those areas? That's what we ask for. I pray that as we look towards this new year, that you would do even greater things in us and through us personally, individually. I pray that for my life and every single person that's watching or listening online today or in the days ahead. And I pray that for this church. I pray that for community of faith, that your will would continue to be accomplished, would continue to take place in us, in this church, and that your kingdom would be advanced 
through that here in Houston and all around the world. We trust you for that. And we pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. One of the things we do at Community of Faith every single weekend, and this weekend's no different, is we remember Jesus through communion. And I think it's an important time to do that as we consider the gift of Jesus. We think about Jesus at Christmas, Emmanuel, that he came near to us and he did what we couldn't do for ourselves. The gift of Christmas became the sacrifice for you and me. And I think as we consider the busyness, as we consider the control tendencies that we have, remembering Jesus on a consistent basis is important because we have a tendency to forget. So Jesus, the night before he went to the cross, he sat with his followers, his best friends, and he said, guys, when you take the bread and you break it, do this and remember my body that was broken for you. And he asked them to take that and to eat that. And then he grabbed the cup and he said, this is my blood that is poured out for the forgiveness of your sins. And so when we do this, even today, we're remembering what he did in our place, what he accomplished for us. And so we're going to do that, and you're going to do that from wherever you're sitting today with family. Maybe you uh, need to push pause for a moment and make sure that you have some elements for that, some kind of bread, a tortilla, crackers, some kind of juice, and together remember Jesus. And here's how we're going to do this. As we were thinking about this for today, you know, this year at, at Easter, Dana, who you may be recognized from The Voice, uh, was here for Easter, and she sang a song turn your eyes upon Jesus. And I was listening to that song a couple weeks ago, and even as I was listening to that song and listening to her sing that, it was such a powerful moment for our church that day. But as I was listening, I was just like, man, there's so much power in this moment. And so we wanted to reflect back to that, and we wanted to experience that again. And so as you watch and as you listen and maybe even sing, let's remember Jesus through communion as Dana and the band sing, turn your eyes upon Jesus. And then we'll look forward with great expectation for all that he wants to do in us and through us in the new year. I love you, community of faith. Now let's remember Jesus through communion.